and welcome to the Clever Pup Podcast with Melanie and Christine. Join us each week as we talk about practical dog training and problem solving to help you enjoy every minute you spend with your dog. We believe every human-canine relationship deserves the most humane dog training methods based on the latest scientific research. No matter where you live, we are here to inspire you, so let's talk about dogs. to our new episode. We're gonna talk about uh, mainly let's go and why we don't train leave it. So basically we train let's go most of the times instead of leave it. And I was actually talking with Christine I think uh, I don't know two three months ago about it that so many happy parents asked me to train leave it and I really <laughs> don't enjoy training it and I was like kind of curious because you can train it in a positive way right it's not that of an issue but I still don't enjoy it so I asked Christine like why don't I like it like what's the sense of it and she gave me this amazing answer and I'll just give it over to oh, you okay. do you remember what you said to me yeah I totally remember you asking me about that because I I kind of had the same I came to the same epiphany at some point where I was just like oh you know it's really hard to want to train our dogs um in a way where we're saying you know don't do that um, don't do something. Don't do it. Yeah, because and I, I feel like we would often train leave it um, in the past. I've trained it with lots of people and lots of dogs, but it pretty it always turns out like when the leave it isn't happening. Even if you train it with a happy voice, it starts off like you know leave it when we're training the cue when we get to the verbal part. But eventually it turns into leave it, leave it, leave it. You know, and it has has this really like do, like no, don't do that, which is you know I. Some people train that way, but I feel like it's really helpful to let our dogs know what we do want them to do. And in addition to that, I feel like leave it, it's confusing for dogs because there's a bunch of different contexts too. Like sometimes, like what do people want their dog to do when they mean leave it? Because if your dog is is staring at a, another dog or something spooky because they're scared, or are they trying to eat a hot dog, or are they, you know, pillaging the laundry bin and pulling your socks out? Like, what are they doing, and what is the most appropriate step to take? And I feel like leave it isn't always the best solution anyway. That's, that's a very interesting aspect of leave it, right? Yeah. Because we they get used in so many different situations. Yeah. It's just like a different way of, no, don't do this, mm -hmm. right? But it's like, it would be so much more obvious to train in those situations an alternative behavior. You know, what, what, what do you actually want from them? Most of the time it's just like checking in with us and checking out with whatever they're interacting with, right? So that's why the let's go is especially outside. This is this amazing, cue but you actually tell the dog what to do if they say another dog let's go let's go this way or they see a rabbit let's go the other way don't go to the rabbit or if they see trash food you know very hard to uh, maneuver around in a city you can still say hey let's go and then the dog is just like happily with eye contact and the big ears into your direction and just goes with you and you could probably say leave it and get the same reaction, but it's just like so much nicer to have a different, out of our perspective as well, yeah, right? To have a different vocabulary that we use with them instead of having something negatively, we have something positively and we stay in this positive 
mindset yeah. in this moment. <laughs> I feel like, especially in that context, let's go, it's basically kind of a recall, you know, come with me, disengage from that thing that you're interested in, and come with me instead, which is a completely trainable scenario, and it feels better. Like, when I say, let's go, it, it always feels really... It's hard to say let's go in a way. I mean, you can be like, let's go. <laughs> but generally speaking, I feel like let's go feels more like friendly. -ish. Yeah. <laughs> it has less of a like heaviness to it, which I, yeah, I think I'm wondering. And you can see eye contact and the check in as well. Definitely. And you can train all of that. I feel like let's go has a lot of applications, mostly with leash walking, but. Um, Yeah, it's mostly like outside and leash walking. But like, what about inside? What would you, if I was like the person who was like, oh, my dog just getting Condo into surfs. the counter surfs, they're getting into the garbage, they're getting into my laundry, and then they, you know, steal all my socks and put them in their crate or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, inside I would definitely prioritize first, right? What is actually manageable? How much do we actually need to, like, for example, um, putting food on the height of your dog, right? So if I have friends over and I have the coffee table full of very delicious things, I have a very strong mat training behavior, the stationing behavior, so that she's actually out of the context, still enjoying her thingy, whatever it is, a Kong, shoe toy, whatever, but just out of the way, right? While we eat something. Um, so you don't have this whole problem anymore that they are sniffing and they're getting kind of curious and you don't need to say uh-uh-uh don't even eat the cheese leave the cheese uh leave the cheese you know you don't even have to do this in this time and eye contact will be also kind of checked in and eye contact will be probably the most important ones for me and then it depends on what you want to train and what not like socks i would never train because it's like so easy to manage yeah you know just have the dog in a different room when you do your laundry yeah i feel like the, <laughs> the indoor things are largely like a management thing like if your dog is eating your garbage i feel like i mean i know there's some extreme cases out there but largely i'm like make your garbage impossible for your dog to get into it just seems like the most obvious if your dog's getting into the laundry basket make the laundry basket impossible to get into. Like, we're the ones with opposable thumbs and big brains and stuff. I feel like, you know, arrange your house, and then over time, when your dog hasn't practiced doing this thing that they love, eventually they're going to forget about it, especially if you provide them with other fun things that they like to do. If, I mean, if they want things that are like socks, or they want, you know, if they want to forage for food, get them a food puzzle. If they want socks, get them stuffy things, stuffy toys or whatever, and let them have things that are like what they want, but not your things that you don't want them to yeah, have. Not your nice shoes yeah. or your nice socks, basically. Yeah. We were actually talking about um, trash the other day, I think last week, and we were like, okay, what do we want to do? And we had like this escalation. So first we would put it into a cabinet, right? If the dog opens the cabinet, we would put something onto the cabinet <laughs> so they cannot open it anymore. But if they would destroy the whole thing, which some dogs too, right? They get very constructive, even if they are, especially if they are alone, and they're just destroying the whole thing. At that point, you said, well, I would just put it in the before the front door, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Have it outside of your house, which is also an idea, right? To yeah. put it completely out of their reach. Yeah, and I would also provide that dog with something that simulated 
that activity. If your dog loves to figure out puzzles, how to get into things, how to get food out of things, you can make things for your dog. Because they're very similar. Yeah, that they can enjoy doing that activity that isn't the garbage. And I would probably, I think it would take a, you know, I feel like I could figure out a way to prevent a dog from getting into garbage. Like I would just keep trying things until I found the thing that worked and then I would give the dog something else to do. But I think the something else to do is important too. Like if your dog is spending that an outlet. Yeah, if they're spending that much time and energy trying to do that, they've got too much time on their paws, so to speak. Like, they need something to do. <laughs> In a much nicer way, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, and trash is actually kind of a nice example. You could have sniff boxes. Yes. You know, you do that all the time. You just basically have a box and you just fill it. You could even put plastic trash in it. Like, um, anything that they don't eat or dislike, you just put it in there, throw lots of delicious, yummy things through it. Yeah. And he has, like, the same kind of um, emotions as he would have with the trash. You know, he would yeah. just um, get through all those things and have all the cookies, which is, like, the trash. In the trash can. I've seen people do super creative things. You can take like a, um, you could make something really elaborate. You could take a grocery bag. You know, everybody because of COVID has like a huge bags. pile of paper yeah. grocery bags. Take your paper grocery bag and stuff it full of paper and stuff that they can eviscerate and then tape it up with paper tape. Make a couple of those, put them in a box, add more stuff into the box. This is if you have a tr- Truly, like a dog who Crazy. really likes to get into stuff, wrap up the box, you know, maybe put it in a bigger box. I don't know. You could make something like that would take them a while to like, you know, dig their way through. And, you know, if you have a dog who really needs an outlet for that behavior, I probably would, I would probably make a dog something. We've done that at the shelter. At the shelter, I've seen them make all kinds of things for the dogs to shred and, you know, get into because they really don't have an outlet for their stress. But I imagine a dog who's trying that hard to get into the garbage is having some kind of an unmet need of some sort, you know. Yeah, I would agree with that. Or it's like very, just very delicious chicken wings all the time in there. (laughs) But why are they so hungry for that? I mean, this is something we, I don't think you and I have ever even talked about it, but just having food diversity in, because Melanie and I do a lot of training, so we buy different things for our dogs to eat and chew on, and they have diversity. I don't feed my dogs my food, I don't give them scraps and stuff, but they get different kinds of kibble, I make, I buy different kinds of treats, I cook chicken for training they have lamb lung i have um some disgusting stuff like tripe yeah every now and then so i have a variety i even even veggies i feed them sweet potato and peas and and i put cottage cheese and fish and kongs and they they get to eat and taste and try a lot of different things in their life and i make that i make that available to them because I think it, you know, there was a sort of misconception that dogs should just eat the same bowl of kibble every single day. And I it can just, be very boring for them. I think extremely boring. <laughs> I think so. I mean, when you think about like how complex their nose is and stuff, I feel like a lack of opportunity to, to try diverse things might be an unmet need for some dogs. If they're that desperate, you know, to eat a piece of garbage, maybe they're just, maybe they need more food diversity. I, I don't hear people talk about it very much, but I feel like um, 
It would be definitely a nice try, right? If you yeah. have um, such a client to just see if that would actually make it better. They wouldn't get different ideas or different treats or snacks and shoe stuff mm -hmm. during the day and see if they let the chicken wings yeah. <laughs> alone in the trash can. Yeah. But um, coming back to... <laughs> we did like a huge turn. Um, <laughs> which like... Um, um, leave it. But, I mean, that's the main scenarios, right? So the dog is staring at somebody, at somebody or like another dog. Sometimes it's also persons. Like yeah. I see that in cities all the time that they say to dog leave it if another person is like, oh my god, how puppy. I see that all the time. That was the other thing I was seeing because we kind of talked about like having them walk away from food or squirrel or something. But I see people using leave it when their dogs are uncomfortable and scared and having bad feelings about things in the environment either dot it's usually dogs or people but it could be other things too. i mean sometimes we just want to avoid the greeting yeah right so if there's like a creepy person and he's interacting with your dog you kind of want to like okay leave it right <laughs> you're just gonna go on you don't say hello to that person yeah. <laughs> you know so um in this context you just want to avoid the greeting basically yeah. but let's go with the work I think it would get, I think it would definitely work. I mean, in that scenario, I really wish people would work on counter conditioning with their dog a little bit because I see that I saw someone the other day um, and I just I felt I know they were doing the best that they could, but the dog hadn't even done anything yet. And the dog was already in trouble. You know, like the other dog showed up and the, the human walking the dog, their experience had been. I don't know. The dog did something that they didn't like. So before the dog, the dog was still not doing any the dog was still doing I mean as a positive trainer I'd be like this dog is behaving appropriately right it's not staring hasn't lunged hasn't barked this dog hasn't done anything yet and the person was already kind of you know pulling on the dog's collar and telling the dog leave it and the dog was you know she was kind of and I, I know like in human communication, because we, we can't communicate with our dogs the same way we could with humans like <laughs> with a human we could say you know please don't interact with that dog, right? But we can't do that with the dog. And I think that's where she was going with that. She was trying to let him know, don't interact with that dog. But in doing so, she was adding a lot of pressure and a lot of negativity to the situation to a dog who hadn't even done anything yet, you know? But that's, so, a, that's a main problem with body language, right? Yeah. I mean, ah, oh, that's like going so much into each other. So you, you like for us, it's like so, so easy to see um, their escalation staircase. You know, we see all the tiny behaviors that happens before the dog's even going into the wrong direction of behaviors. But if a person doesn't know those kinds of warning signs, for her, it just feels, for her or him, it just feels out of nowhere, right? Right. So yeah. they might, like, this sounds like lots of, lots of bad experience for the, for the pet parent, right? So they just got surprised by the dog all the time. So now they are just trying to avoid the whole situation before anything happens. Exactly. For us, it looks like, oh, the dog didn't do anything. But for them, it's just like, oh, shit, there's another dog. My dog might react. So don't, don't, don't you dare. Don't do anything, right? And they're already discussing with their dog before the dog is even thinking about it's, yeah, that's it's exactly what was going on. It's just hard for me because I, I don't feel, I know that person's doing the best that they can with the information that they have, but I really just want to run up to them and be like, 
I want to be like, reinforce your dog for doing the stuff that you want them to do, like they're doing right now, you know, reinforce <laughs> that part, then I just, you know, you can't do that, and people have to ask for your help before, <laughs> before you give it to them, but yeah, it's just, I wish more people... I, so I feel like there's also that, like we talked about it a few times um, that there's not much resources on body language, right? True. So most most of us just learn it by doing. We interact so much with dogs. Or I'm I worked in a daycare for for years. So I just if you have thirty dogs off leash, you just get a very very close eye on the tiny tiny bits of communication between dogs because you have to. Otherwise, you have a big problem in such groups. So, and as a pet parent, you don't have that. You have your dog and you have the interaction sometimes in classrooms, sometimes in dog parks or on the leash, right? And on the leash, they're acting completely different as they do in classes, in dog parks. So um, for them, it's extremely hard to figure out how their dog reacts in some situations and how other dogs are communicating with their dog. So true. So, yeah. um, I mean, we kind of want to build it up at some point. We're just working on it. Yeah. <laughs> it just takes forever to get the material, get the videos, putting the videos together in a way that's actually making sense to anybody who never read another dog, who yeah. never listened to what they are saying with their body. It's a huge missing link out there. And there was that, like, Jean Donaldson is a trainer that we both love who wrote a book called Culture Clash, which I highly recommend. But she talks a lot about that. It's like dogs are, you know, it's on them to understand us. And then people don't take it upon themselves as much to understand what the dogs are saying. And because of that, there's a lot of miscommunication that happens, like a lot. And yeah, which with, with Leavitt, you can actually see that all the time yeah. because they use it in so many different contexts. And it always means they see something that goes the wrong direction and they're trying to get the dog away from it, you know? But the dog but, often doesn't understand what it is that they want them to do. Like yeah. the dog is trying to do something that they feel very strongly that they want to do and leave it um I often don't know what the person wants the dog to actually do when they say that it's more like they're telling the dog what they don't want them to do but the dogs don't have the capacity to understand that it's like they're... a black box yeah you know like I, so I had like this example that I told you about and we wanted to have the whole episode about it maybe we do that at some point but I was basically telling Christine I feel like um you have like a kid game where you um like be blindfolded you know you cannot see anything so you have to listen to what the people are saying and then they you get like a stick in your hand and you have to find an object to hit the object to win the game but the language that is going to be speak around you is not your native language. So, like, I would get blindfolded and somebody around me would speak Russian. I would have no fucking clue what they mean. What's right, what's left. I have no idea, right? So, and I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this traditional way of teaching, don't, 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 is exactly like that. They already don't know our language. So we just say, not this, but then there are, like, 50 other ways of getting the same outcome that the dog wants to have and they're just trying all of them yeah you know and it just gets very extremely frustrating for the pet parents because they told their dog for 30 times to leave the hot dog on the streets alone right but for the dog <laughs> 
but for the dog it basically they don't they have no clue what to do they're trying they're trying their best with positive reinforcement we just take this whole question mark out of context you know you have the situation we just tell them what to do instead of having them to try 50 different ways until they're like oh mom is okay if i just pass the hot dog right there's like no other way to get to the hot dog. I just just pass it. Oh, gotcha. And then I get the cookie. But it just took forever for the dog to figure out what mom wants. Right? Yeah. So it's just like, um, I mean, that's the main thing where we like positive reinforcement so much because it's like so much more straightforward. You just keep them so much more into a direction that you both prefer. You know, yeah. that's nice for the dog and that's nice for the person. I also think it's kind of discounts the dog's emotional state around some of those things too when we're talking about things that they don't want to be closer to and we're saying leave it and I and often it's happening as we're walking straight at the thing and what the dog was trying to say was I don't want to be that close to the thing and what the person is saying don't embarrass me and act like that <laughs> in public and the dog is saying that thing is too close to me it's really scary and the person is like stop embarrassing me and neither one of them know what the other one is saying and it just continues to be a problem usually yeah it does yeah I mean with let's go if we train um if we talk with clients about those behaviors, we kind of have to say to go in the other direction, right? Most of the times, even if we don't know the situation, most of the time just easier to just make a U-turn. Even if it's just something for fun, like a rabbit or a hot dog, it's much easier just go on the other side of the road or go the other way instead of trying to pass the hot dog and getting closer, 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 closer until you have to pass it, right? So um, I would probably even, for most, People say just go into the different direction with the let's go, you know? Yeah, depending on whatever the thing was, you know, and how the dog reacted to it. And I almost feel like the emotional state, like a dog who wants to eat a hot dog is not in the same frame of mind as a dog who's really scared of a dog that's coming right into their face. And so I would probably create different scenarios for those. Like for the hot dog, I definitely teach let's go. And I probably would potentially teach that for people who needed to get their dogs out of, especially, I don't know, you've probably seen this, some dogs, the thing that they feel most comfortable doing when they see something that they don't like is that they just hunker down and stare. Mm -hmm. So And freeze. And freeze. And that's one of those situations where, like, sometimes I want to let the dog gather information, but in that scenario, when the dog's gotten into that state, and especially if the thing that they're staring and freezing and, you know, kind of lurking at is coming closer to us, I really want to get them out of that situation. And so I think let's go is potentially pretty useful for that or some kind of a U-turn. <laughs> yeah. Would you um would you teach something different as well than just let's go? Oh, absolutely. I would start to condition uh some sort of an emotional response. So the idea would be, you know, like the staring dog, I would try to find a threshold where the dog was far that they were looking at, let's say it was a dog they were looking at, was far enough away that I could start to train um to I mean, for the easiness of explaining it, we might just take a dog in the yard because it's very um, easy for us to interact with. You know, like a dog behind a fence so mm -hmm. that we know 
they are there, but they can't come any closer to us. Yeah. So how would you train it? Oh, I would start to train a um, for them to disengage and look back at me. But you need a starting point for that. So the first point, the first part is trying to figure out first you start to, to reinforce your dog for checking in with you. So your dog orients back towards you and then you start to um, click your dog. This is basically, the protocol that I'm talking about is called look at that, which is pretty much the main thing that I teach everybody to do with a dog that is either scared of things in the environment or really overstimulated by things in the environment. So instead of saying leave it, I st because it's easier if you don't have to tell your dog to do the thing. If your dog starts to do what you want them to do without you issuing instructions, I feel like that's better, right? Like absolutely, I, I want so making their own choices, right? I want my dog to look at those things, and instead of you know barking and lunging or freezing and staring or doing all these things that I'm trying that I don't want them to do, I want them to look at the dog, and then I want them to look back at me for more information. And at that point, I could ask them for a let's go, or I could. I could ask them for any number of things, or I could just say, good job, and reinforce them for it. Like, I have a lot of options at that point, so that's my main strategy most of the time. That's kind of like a starting place for me. I don't know. What about you? How do you do it? I mean, let's go is um, very important. I like to check in behaviors all the time. So for me, for me, having her checking in is like kind of a two-way communication. So when I'm outside, I kind of I just enjoy a dog who does his own thing, but always is like, what are you doing? Are you still there? Shadow checks in with us, right? And in this kind of context, what you were saying was a look at that game. And you can actually, um, they can actually show you something before you actually might notice it. Yes. Right? So for example, with the Halloween decoration, um, they might already freeze and stare, and then they check in with you, you know, like, I saw something, you know, like, made me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you can reinforce it. Just, like, this amazing communication it between is. two people. And not only that. You, living things. Yeah, it is. It's incredible. And it's the same for people, too. You can, in one scenario of training, look at that. You can do the same thing for your dog. If you have look at that on a verbal cue... I can, let's say I see the thing, because I'm much taller than my dog coming before my dog <laughs> sees it, I can let them know with that cue that that thing is about to appear in the environment. And so, so, it's surprising. so it doesn't surprise and startle them. And then they know, oh, I'm about to see a whatever it is, and then they can start to look around for it, and then they can look back at you and get the reinforcement for that. So that is something you, you can teach with that. There's a whole bunch of, ver not versions, but there's a whole bunch of parts of that and ways to use it in different scenarios. But that part I love. I love the idea of letting your dog know in advance because lots and lots of people have ruined cues. They've ruined cues for U-turn. They've ruined cues for the dog's name. They've ruined the cue of like tightening the leash. There's a whole bunch of things. They've ruined, even ruined cookies. Some people give their dog the cookie before the dog sees the thing and then the dog's like, oh no, getting a cookie means the thing's gonna show up, you know? <laughs> so it's really a great way to prevent you from ruining other things that you've taught your dog by do, accidentally pairing. Do you remember um, Texas Toast? Yeah. So we basically had this um, very adorable retriever mix rescue at the shelter who was extremely um, suspicious about everything that's surrounding him. 
and he was reacting before he was even noticing things in the environment. And I um, <laughs> I was walking him and I, like one thing that we do at the shelter is U-turns all the time, right? So we get into the situation of like, okay, let's go and we go the other way. So for him, the let's go got poisoned somehow during the whole process. <laughs> it was like really interesting. So I, I didn't even, there was even nothing around and I just wanted to have him go in a different direction. And as soon as I said, let's go, he was hypervigilant. He was just going up, his muscle got intense and he just checked the whole neighborhood. Like, what is it? What do you want me to go away from? You know, <laughs> yeah, like this, this ridiculous reaction and I was just stunned by it. I was just like, whoa, dude, there's nothing going on here. You can relax. <laughs> but it, I don't know, during the whole training process, I mean, there are so many people training with them and let's go. So it's such an obvious thing that we tell all of the volunteers to do as well yeah. with them. So it's just at some point it got poisoned during the training process yeah he just <laughs> did not like <laughs> let's go at all <laughs> that has happened with lots and lots of people lots of different cues like the name cue or dogs if you uh pull up on their leash a little bit you know they can they definitely pick up on that stuff more than dogs are reading the environment all the time and us and all us. the time yeah so as soon as we get some kind of emotions they always like okay what's going on yeah absolutely yeah so um do you want to wrap it up yeah all um, right yeah well thanks for listening <laughs> we'll see you next time bye thank you for listening please share and comment all of the good stuff see you next week bye